Hey, y'all. Hi, guys. I'm Genevieve, Positive Peach. I'm Alex, Joyfully Rare. And this is... And this is Positively, Positively Walking, Walking with, with Mayo. Mayo. Hi guys, it's Peach. Sorry for the abrupt change. I wanted to say that in the first part of this episode, we went over um, the the broad generalizations of Mito. And in the second half, we are going to go over the more minute details of how mitochondrial disease affects us and the day-to-day struggles of living with mitochondrial disease for us. Because mitochondrial disease comes in several flavors and affects patients differently. So, please tune in. If it seems like this first part is abrupt and short, it's because there is more to come and more to love from me and Alex. So... Thank you, and again, sorry for the abrupt change and the continuation of our stories. Thank you. So, I haven't been to the hospital since since I was in high school, and I just graduated from college a couple of years ago, so I haven't been to a, to a um, emergency room in a while um so i basically am living day to day with mito not saying that i'm living my best life with it there there are some days i'm like i wish i could just sit and just take a nap but i know that i'm going to pay for it if i do if i don't put in uh the muscle building hours i'm going to wake up and not only may i might feel more awake but i'm going to have more muscle weakness so i just tried to push through um the muscle weakness even though like i'm like brain dead tired which is kind of how i feel today sundays are not um my day i'm i'm usually like a little bit like, oh my gosh, the, the week is really catching catching up to me. Um, but I don't. I be, I basically am living day to day. The worst thing that happens is I might fall, or um. One of one of the things that really sucks that is kind of new is, I'm so tired yet so hungry that I just stare at the thing of food and I'm like, I really wish I had the strength right now or or the energy to pick up my arms to hold the fork and get the fork to my face. Or I might be holding the fork and be like, I can't get this to my face. Or I might get it there and then choke on it because I don't have the, the strength in my throat or my jaw to chew it and swallow it so that I don't choke on it. So 
Um, I may be living day to day, but not, but day to day is a struggle sometimes. Spring is nice to me, yet not at the same time. I like that it is warmer, but my body goes into like a state of like shock whenever the um weather changes. I usually go through like a month or two where like I'm all over the place. So every every couple of months I'm stable, and yet every couple of of months I'm all over the place. I'm like, so that's the day it's gonna be okay, fine. It I might be kissing the pavement a lot today. And if and if I'm at home and there are rugs and um it's a fairly safe place to fall, I'll fall. Because because I would rather have um the muscle strength, the muscle build up than just admitting defeat and um be like, Okay, you win Mito. I'm not I'm not ready to do that just quite yet. But there are some instances like yours where you can't throw in, throw in the towel. There's going to be major effects where you can't throw in the towel, but there are days where you kind of have to. You have to just sit in, in hospital bed and be like, well, I'm here. Yeah, and it's just kind of what you got what you got to do. You know, it's yeah. just part of it. And, and you know, I'm just got to go protect my body. You got to go um, get healed. <laughs> healed just gonna go get some healing you know to my body and that recovery because they've they've been through a lot of stress you know and that's just kind of part of like taking care of myself and knowing knowing that but it sounds like sometimes you really have to fight your mito like you have to be like let's you know we can't we don't want to do it right now but like we have to so we can keep going for tomorrow you know no there are some days where I have to fight it, but not fight it too hard. It took me like a couple of years to figure out where I need to push it and where it's not okay to, to push it and where pushing it breaks other things, mainly not me, but like other pieces of furniture that I'm leaning all of my weight on because I, I lean on like, stuff that I shouldn't while while I'm like vacuuming and then it ends up breaking because I don't realize that I am leaning on it so yeah just it's a major trial and error for sure and I think it's why sometimes I do use like a walker and things it's not necessarily because I need my walker to walk but it's something for stability and something that's in that safety category, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's like trying to prevent those those falls and and things like that. Yeah, because sometimes falling is is not. Uh, sometimes it's okay, and sometimes it's not okay. I know falling is never okay for for some people, but I'm like, if if you're going down. Just try not to fight it. Just like surrender to the gravity. Because fighting is not going, you're not going to win. Um. So, so let's define our different types of falls. So for me, I used to fall because my muscles were so weak that they would give out on me. And it was just because I would be walking 
And I just kind of keep trying to put one foot in front of the other, but sometimes my muscles would just gas out and they just couldn't anymore. And they just would come out from under me. Now my falls are because I've, I've gotten tripped up somewhere <laughs> and I can't lift my toes up because of my neuropathy. And so I, if I get tripped, there's no way for me to stick a platform in front of me to catch myself. And so that was maybe, maybe confession. I maybe have fallen once this semester <laughs> where I got tripped and I tripped two or three times in a row trying to recover each time. And while thankfully I didn't go down right away, it allowed me to kind of move to a space out of the way and out of furniture. But I was kind of like, bummer, I'm on the floor. But it was like, it's okay, I just tripped. Like it's not a, a it's not a failure because I fell. You know, it's just part of life. And I can thankfully get myself back up off the floor. It takes quite some effort, but we can we can do it now. So that's kind of uh, my my different types of fall and how they have changed. So, um, Genevieve, what has your what has your falls kind of looked like? So, um, mine really haven't changed. They have. I've I've tr I've tried. I don't know if I've succeeded in in this. Um, I've I've tried to get stronger to lessen them. I think I just fall in different ways now. And also, I trip, but I don't count that as a fall. I, in my weird mind, I count falling as making contact with the ground. Because if I, I count it every single time my foot caught on something, I probably fall way more times. Because while you are falling because of something, I'm falling because my muscles are always weak there is never a time when they are not weak um they are less weak after i've done something like uh, well okay that's not that's not true um they're always weak even after i've done something strenuous i might feel the blood pumping better so there's blood pumping to that muscle but if the muscle itself is weak or tired it's going to fall Anyways, so I tried to hit the sweet spot where um, it's not totally, the muscles are not totally over the hill in terms of um, far gone from the fatigue and um, the, the blood is pumping either manually because I've been doing a lot of work that manually pumps it or I'm outside and it's, the middle of June and it's like a comfortable <laughs> for me it's a comfortable uh 82 degrees for me 82 is comfortable 82 from for most mito patients is I have to get inside and crank up the AC because I'm dying of heat exhaustion I love the heat um but um that's where my um falls are pretty consistent if there's something on the ground i'll fall on it because um because of my 
damaged nerves, I have a delayed re reaction time. So by the time that I see the thing on the ground, there is not enough time for me to see it, have my brain register it. And in the time that my brain is, is telling my muscles to stop walking or walk around it, I've already walked on it. And that's how I step in, like dog poop, trip over branches, the, the works. At this point, we just kind of, I've tried to notice it like 15 feet before I'm about to walk on it to know to not but like um if there is a uh, one of those cement blocks in like um parking lots I have to if I don't see it like five minutes be beforehand I'm gonna trip on it if there's a difference between the sidewalk and a road if I haven't been to that restaurant like 15 times and it's brand new and I don't see the difference between the sidewalk and the parking lot, I'll fall off of the sidewalk. Because by the time that my brain registers it and tells my hips to shift their weight, to step down, I've already fallen off the sidewalk. And it's I've had to become comfortable with, sometimes you just might be on the ground. And this is partly why I've given up on having shame because if I was embarrassed by every single time that I um, was on the ground and I didn't want to be, I would just stay in my house all day. I'd be like, no, I'm not going outside because I might fall. I'm like, yeah, well, people fall and you have a condition where you're going to fall. So whatever. Um, so... Falling is just going to be a part of my life. As much as I want to be stronger and not fall, there is more likely that I'm going to fall than be, than be so strong where I won't. Yeah. So it's, it's a bucket of, it's a bucket of worms. Yeah, there's a little bit of a, a visual issue with having L Chad, and I feel like I miss subtle differences in terrain and stuff because of this. <laughs> and yeah. being being on wheels and having a walking issue already, you know, it it's not the best combination. And my friend had to stop me from rolling down some stairs the other day, you know, and it's just because I didn't see there was a step. To me, I just saw consistent concrete, um, you know, but there was a, a slight step. <laughs> and so she was just like, Alex, don't, don't go down the stairs. It's like, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought it was just concrete. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I definitely appreciate your view of, you know, not having shame. And, you know, I think we both have a sense of humor about our, our disabilities and, um, you know, sometimes you just gotta laugh about it. Sometimes, you know, it's just gotta brush it off. You know, it's part of it. It's part of life. And um, you can just pick yourself up and keep going and laugh about it. Then you have a story to tell now, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> or you don't tell any, because I have a track record of not telling people whenever I fall. So, so whenever, like, this was a big thing in like high school I, or, or even elementary school. 
um, I would come home from school and my mom would go, why is your knee black, black and blue? I'm like, oh, yeah, I fell at recess. And that would happen four times in seven days. And I just stopped telling people. <laughs> I, I, I just stopped. So um, my mom is used to going, what's that? And I'm like, oh, I fell. Or, oh, the dog punched me in the face. Or, oh, this happened. Oh, that happened. I just don't. Because it's such a part of my life that it doesn't register anymore. Or it's, not, it's, it's, it's such a part of my life. That, and, and, and I feel such... You said previously that falling is not a failure. At some, at some point, in, point in time, my brain registered falling as a failure so I just stopped telling people because I didn't want to admit that I was failing so much like yeah. now I kind of am like look you're gonna you're gonna fail Mido and Mido is going to make you fail at life and that's kind of negative in a way but at the same time I'm like everybody fails it's just a part of life no one's like I win now, I win there, I win, I, I win always. A part of being a little bit genetically, whatever the heck you want to call it, um, kind of genetic failure in, in some respects. And I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, you know, some days might have wins, you know, and, and that's yeah. okay. There's always tomorrow, you know, and, um, you know, there's, I think the time that I really had to start reporting my falls was the time that I thought falling was a failure. And sometimes I couldn't hide it because I, I'd fallen on my ankle and now I can't do very much the rest of that day or something, you know, and it's it actually hurt myself. And those are some of like my worst days, uh, you know, when someone is also trying to keep me up at the same time I'm going down, you know, and there's yeah. nothing either of us can do and I'm going down, <laughs> you know, and so those were hard days. And that's when I think I thought they, those were failures, but I think now looking back and everything, um, I had a different attitude about it, you know, and, and have um, learned a lot through that time. And, you know, there are the stories that you don't tell because they're they're very hard. Then there's the stories you don't tell because they're very TMI and very personal. Yeah. Even though I have a sense of humor about it, some that is for a very select audience, you, you know. I wanna I wanna come back to the neuropathy stuff a little bit. Okay. The I know we both have mentioned the neuropathy and you said that you've kind of had some sensation issues what does your neuropathy look like okay um i'm losing feeling in the bottom of my feet which is the most um life of affecting but then i also can't always feel if things are wet i tried to put it up to my face to to gauge it better um but the the biggest thing is um having having poor blood flow because of the neuropathy 
So I'm cold like all the time. So I'm kind of used to it by now. But like whenever I'm turning visibly purple, I'm like, okay, I need to um, get warmer because eventually I'm going to start to lose function of my hands because we kind of don't always register this, but without blood, we're just sacks of muscles at, at that point. We're just sacks of organs and muscles. Um, so, so I, I tried to make myself warm as possible, but there were just some days like today where my hands are freezing. Cause I know that they're just not warm and the blood is being pumped to other things that need more attention. Um, but I love, I love being outside whenever it's like close to 80 degrees, like two degrees uh less and two degrees more um because that's like the sweet spot where i can be outside comfortably where the blood doesn't have to be manually pumped by my muscles the muscles can worry about other things because the sun is is pumping the blood on on its own so i i love to be outside uh so much to where um, I love getting sunburns and I love having a fever because it's like the only time when my body is maintaining its own its own heat from from the inside out because like furnaces are great but they warm you from the outside in and it's like you can feel that it's a manufactured warm. I'm like I'm still not warm even though it says on the uh, readout that it's 72 degrees I'm like no it's not warm enough at that point um, my family is probably tired of me complaining about being cold I just I'm like I'm gonna put on two on two jackets and run up and down the stairs four times even though that's I get about two and I'm like I'm done so four is the goal two is the expect is the expectation just to get the muscles pumping because I want to be warm from the inside out and not the outside in. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I hope I can say that. <laughs> it's, well, I would like to know how like neuropathy is, is playing for you. Like, do you feel that way or is it just bigger for me? Yes. Yeah, so my neuropathy... Uh, through nerve conduction tests and things like that, there's no nerve damage. And while um, for the most part, mine is muscle weakness, um, a lot of those muscles have been sleeping for a long time and thus atrophying a little bit. And in conjunction, those nerves in my hands and feet are, are affected. And so I have a foot drop where I don't have the dorsiflexion to be able to bring my toes up. And I get- What was I gonna say this? I have that as well. I, I also cannot raise my toe. So whenever the therapist is, is like, walk on your heels, I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah. I'll tell you right now, it's gonna be it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be poor. I've never, never been able to do this, but she's like, try. I'm like, okay, it's not gonna be good. And then I do it and they're like, oh, I'm like, I told you it was not going to be good. Right. For real. I've had a Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. 
go ahead. Oh, no, that's good. I've, I've had many of those conversations with therapists and um, I'm doing aquatics physical therapy right now. And, you know, doing, getting on my tippy toes in the pool, you know, I was like, just so you know, I don't do this in real life, you know, <laughs> it, it's like, but it's, you know, I can feel a little superhuman in the pool, you know, a little bit, but um, I can get some tinkling sensations in my feet and my hands sometimes, um, just some like pins and needle pricks and stuff, um, as well as my ankles and feet are, are very cold all the time. They, there's just some poor circulation and um, my ankles can also swell a lot if they're if I'm if they're down all day I'm sitting all day and I use ankle foot orthotics that I'm trying to do a balance of not wearing them and wearing them because wearing them is safer because it picks my toes up for me. It helps those, that ankle that's very weak. And um, my ankles get more swollen when I'm wearing those because my foot is locked in that position. Um, but I try and use also normal pairs of shoes that I can get my feet in to get those muscles a little bit of exercise because they're not getting very much exercise when they're in the ankle foot orthotic. And so a little bit of time out of it, let's have more flexibility and the ability to strengthen. I don't wear my AFOs during physical therapy on purpose to be able to strengthen those muscles. But um, I think on the, the heat and sun, my body would probably freak out on the metabolic stressor side of things to get too hot and well I really don't know if I have like a temperature sweet spot because I'm in the south and I'm just used to the heat and so cold really affects me more than the heat I think metabolically but in the summer I just have more tools and like cooling towels and, and different ways of hydrating to be able to combat a lot, but I'm also just kind of used to the warmth that the Southern sun has for sure. Uh, but I think th that's so interesting because I think if I'm warm from the inside out, I can't get cool as easily and my body's stressing more. That look like my body's automatic is to be cold. So I have to work it to be warm. Whereas I think it's naturally the other way around. People are naturally warm. Like, if I stop moving, I think my body temperature, not my, because if, like, on a temperature readout from, like, um, a, what's it called? A, a thermometer. It's not seen that my body, the level is, um, my, my body temperature is lowering, but I can feel it to be more cold. So, like, there are certain places, especially doctors and doctors' offices, which are cold anyways. But, like, sitting for long periods of time, I'm very, very cold. Like, yeah. cold to the touch. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the times, my physical therapists who are, like, holding, when I go horse riding, they hold on to my ankles. And they're like, Alex, your ankles are so cold, you know, and just like, yeah, that's just, just how it is. And... I think my neuropathy is actually worse in the winter 
also. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have um a pretty insane story about how they realized I had nerve damage. Um so I was previously diagnosed with some, with something else. I was only diagnosed at 15 years old with mitochondrial disease. Um, and the initial test they did after they were like, hmm, I think let's test how much you have this nerve damage thing. So they put 50 needles on both sides of my body um, all through, through my legs. They wanted to, to see if I had the nerve damage in my legs because I guess it, it is more concentrated in some areas. And they turned on the machine that was supposed to send an electrical shock through all of the needles. And I was fine. I'm like, did you turn it on yet? And they had to go to, to the outlet in the wall and make sure that the mechanism was plugged into the wall to make sure it was on because most men who are 50 who take the test are sobbing or crying because it hurts so bad. And I'm like, it tickles. I'm like, I don't feel much. So, so they're like, okay, either you're superhuman or you have nerve damage. <laughs> I'm like, both. <laughs> yeah, I, those, those are very uncomfortable. I, I dislike the shockies for sure. I love, I call them the buzzies. Cause that's the sound that they make. I love those 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 things that they put on you at therapy to make the the, the muscles move. I love those things. I'm like, I can I feel like a superhero because I get to move. Yay! Wow, I I feel very uncomfortable when I do the tins. Um yes. The there it's like uh, patches or or different devices they'll stick on to be able to stimulate those nerve and muscle pathways. And so just for anybody who didn't know and um that it's this kind of tingly sensation but I I did not like those at all uh, to work out in for sure that's so interesting they were the best <laughs> I think I also had a lot of muscle discomfort in the first place and so that maybe contributes to why I don't like the sensation I love that for you, though, that, you, <laughs> that it helps you. People know what brain fog is now because of COVID. It like, yeah. yeah. So if you say brain fog, people don't, don't look at you like you have six heads. They're, they, they have at least heard of that. So I'm like, okay, we have, we have an entry point. And now let's talk a little bit about brain fog because Whenever it first started coming up, I'm like, I know what that is. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to be sick in order for that to be an everyday occurrence for me. So go ahead and explain how brain fog affects you and the um, management and what you do to make it to make it better. Yeah. So my specific brain fog, whenever I'm experiencing a lot of fatigue, I feel like I have a cotton ball that's stuck in the very front of my forehead and I'm trying to get the thoughts out and they can't come out. You know, I'm 
trying really hard and they're just not coming out. And I see this for the most part in academics and in school that, you know, if you have foggy brain day and it is a test day, that's a big problem. You know, I can't think, I can't think clearly. I can't get my thoughts out. It gets very frustrating and, and things like that. And so definitely for the fatigue element, that's when that, that brain fog kicks in or, or during those crisis situations and things like that. What, what does your brain fog look like? So, um, for me, my brain fog, it, um, it can show up in, um, if, if I'm having trouble walking, that could be an indicator, um, that, that something is not right. And if I have like a very dull headache, my brain fog can, can, can be like a side symptom. It's not causing it. It's just something that, that, that I'm dealing with. It's probably a sign that something else is going on. And um, the only solution to make it go away is sleep. Like Gatorade does not help. Uh, sugar does not help. So I usually keep myself like, um, like they just a popular description of Mito is a battery cell for like your phone. So whenever I'm feeling brain fog, everything else is like affected because if it's in my brain, it's everywhere. I'm like, okay, let's just keep yourself at like a, a, a 20 so that you have enough energy to do the other things and hopefully you won't fall. Because if I have my consciousness and my personality like a 20, that allows things like um, muscle strength and the ability to, to um, talk, even though that's affected by brain fog as well. That, that can be a little bit higher because they, because I'm keeping other things lower than um, the the things that can operate apart from a, a major energy crisis. Yeah, and I've been told like I've had that like slurred speech mm -hmm. sometimes and let's see, sometimes it feels like I'm moving in slow motion yes moving in molasses mm. and at first i would get really like mad i'm like i can't do what i want to do because if i tried to push the gas pedal on like the car of like life or like whatever it usually goes way too fast there is i can't find the sweet spot it's either way too fast or i'm moving through molasses so so i have to at some point be okay with moving through molasses and just be not be so frustrated be like okay this is where you are this is going to pay in not breaking an appliance so you like just keep counting down down the hours until you get to sleep that's pretty much all you are doing today is just is just trying to get through the hours so that you can get to sleeping. Oh yeah, I feel that sometimes you just gotta scratch the whole day and it's 
you know, yeah. not not what you planned, but it's, you know, I'm just going to do the next right thing, the next right step, what I can, what I can do for the day, even if it's not what I planned, you know, something slowing me down, brain fog, things like that. Just take it slow, you know? Yes. Okay. Thank you for listening. You can check us out on our social media platforms. And we hope you continue walking with us.